This show is an ultimate podcast group production. Hey, this is Live Better with Natasha with me, Natasha Hamilton. This podcast is all about exploring your mental, physical and spiritual wellness. Live Better with Natasha is for anyone who is looking to broaden their horizons with their wellness, who want to heal, they want to grow, and they want to feel on top of the freaking world. Welcome back to the Live Better with Natasha podcast with me, Natasha Hamilton. Hey guys, how are you? How are you doing? How is life treating you? I hope you've been enjoying the podcast up until now and that they've brought you some comfort. They've given you some insights into how you can lead a better life or become a better version of yourself. But today I am really excited to be chatting with a guy who has been labeled the transformation coach. And I can definitely agree with that because I've gotten to know this guy a little bit over the past few weeks because we are collaborating on a work level. Please welcome onto the show today, Darren Timms. Darren has written a book called The Journey Back to Self, A Roadmap of Discovery, and it has been a number one bestseller on Amazon twice. Darren, welcome to the show. Hey, Natasha, great to be here. And thank you for inviting me on to your podcast. Uh, you're, doing, you're doing amazing work and I'm very happy to be part of that. And uh, yeah, I feel blessed to be here. So hi, guys. And uh, let's hope that we can bring some real value to the show. And I'm sure that we can. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Amazing. So Darren, you are so intriguing. (laughs) A few months ago, tell me more, tell me more. Yeah. Like a few months ago, a mutual friend, Karen, she introduced us. She was like, this guy, Darren, he's joining the business, the prove it business, Mm. but he is an incredible guy. And then you started like on a daily basis, putting these really inspiring more like monologues, like it was you pondering life or making us ponder, like, how are we feeling? Why are we behaving the way we feel? Um, there was a lot of mindset with it. And I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> <Because> <laughs> you're really making me evaluate what was going on in my head. And then yeah. since then, you know, we've met up, we've talked, I've even done a life coaching one-to-one session with you, which was yeah. incredible. And we'll get to that a bit later on, but mm. like, please tell us like more about you because I know where you are now. Yeah. It's not all, that's not always been your path. Has it? No, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, that's right. I laugh because of the question I asked you just now. Yes, it's okay. My, I came into this world born in Oxford, um, born and bred in Oxford, stayed there for 18 or 19 years, decided that tree surgery, which is the job I was doing with my father, was not for me. And so I left the shores of the UK and I moved to Ibiza, where I lived for two or three years backwards and forwards. And I began to meet people and network in the on the island um, where I then began to become very interested because of this network in the behavior of human beings and the patterns of behavior which we all get into and we all express some of which doesn't serve us uh, I was always a smart kid let me let me let me preempt that I was always a smart kid at school yet I didn't really focus at school my reports were 
tragic for my parents. And every sort of open night, my mum and dad would come back very, very disappointed that this this kid with a great brain was wasting his time and, and causing a causing chaos in the classroom, if you like. And so <laughs> I left school early and to sort of jump ahead and come back. All my education, Natasha, was was done later on in life as a mature student. You know, I went back to college. Uh, I got the I got the qualifications as a counselling psychologist. I became a master NLP practitioner, hyp- hypnotherapist, transformational coach. I spent fifteen years educating myself at, at that level to become the person I am today. Yet. My journey from 19 to Ibiza, to Greece, to London, to Brighton, to Miami, to the UK, that's all played a part in who I became today, which is why I don't regret a single thing, even though some of the things that I did, I'm not proud of. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So all the moving about was because you, you, were, you were trying to find who you are, who you were. <laughs> Yes, effectively. And to be perfectly honest, I was I was chasing the Playboy lifestyle and trying to beat the system of not having to go to work and to and to give anything back. I was just taking from life and hanging around with those who specialized in taking but gave little. Mm. And like all things in life, events crop up for us, not to us. And there's a distinguishing feature there. Can you just elaborate on that that point a little bit more for people that won't might yeah. not quite understand that? No, absolutely. So I always ask every person that I work with, every client or or patient, whether it's therapy or coaching, is do you believe that life is happening to you or do you believe that life is happening for you? And the quick takeaway from that is that if it's happening to you, then you have Little, little or no control of, of what shows up in your life, as opposed to whatever's happening for you, however traumatic, however painful, that is a lesson that you can take on board and choose to respond to accordingly, however painful, because you know that life is happening for you and not to you. People that believe that life is happening to them they are forever pointing the finger at the external world and saying, you caused my pain. You caused my suffering. You took my job. You took my boyfriend. You took my wife. Yet people that understand that life's happening for them realize that we get to choose how we respond to whatever shows up in our life, regardless of the level of discomfort we get to choose and we become responsible, response-able, or able to respond to whatever shows up. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Like, for me personally, I remember when that moment was for me when I went from life happening to me to life happening for me. And it wasn't like it was a conscious decision. Well, actually, it obviously was a very conscious decision because in my head I was like, I cannot continue to live the way I have been living. Something's got to change because I was totally exhausted and worn out by life. Absolutely, Natasha. It's, it's exhausting and it's futile trying to micromanage all the external events that you have no control over. And distinguishing between what you can and cannot control effectively epitomizes how content you're going to be. Because here's the thing, human happiness or our ability to be happy 
is directly correlated to the amount of uncertainty that we can comfortably live with. And that's an important distinction because the very nature of reality is uncertain, which is a paradox because the human brain, which was developed over millions of years, was designed to keep us safe and not to excel or or operate in expertise. It's always trying to keep us safe. And so it's already, already always trying to predict a future which is potentially painful and move us away from that with intensity. Yet, again, it's a paradox because the only certainty is uncertainty. And I get it because we're all playing the same game. Yet, when you understand that the nature of reality is uncertain, you still get to create because it's fun to create, to step into a future that's compelling. Yet you understand that you may or may not achieve the results you set off, you set out to get. But that's okay because when you do arrive in that moment in your future, you get to analyze the results that you were planning for. And if they're not the ones that you wanted or planned for, you get to recreate in the very moment that, that exists and can exist is this one. You get to recreate a new future based on what's being presented to you at that particular time in your future, which is always unfolding in the present moment. Does that make sense? It does, but it's like my brain is literally like going, what? <laughs> and it's happened a few times when we talk because you say things and I'm like... It's a whole different way of thinking for me. When the way you present, yeah, what you know and your knowledge, yeah. my brain goes, "Hang on a minute, just, just let that settle in." Yeah. And since that having that session with you, I just it was it became a, apparent to me that most of my life, everything has been just such a like knee-jerk reaction yeah. to what is going on around me. It's like that emotional response, that knee-jerk. Um, and I've known that's not served me for so many years. Yeah. But it wasn't until we spoke and we did that session, and it was almost like I saw myself as someone else. So when things were happening, I stood back and I observed yeah, beautiful. I created a pause in my life, which I've never had before. I never had that pause. And just putting that pause into my train my train of thought has it it's so I see so much clearer now. Yeah, beautiful. And and you applying that now every day in, in into every situation that presents itself to you, for you, and through you? Um as much as I possibly can. I think it is that whole rewiring your brain. And when I start getting that emotional response, which is that feeling in my tummy that makes me feel uncomfortable, that's when I'm like, no, slow down. Yeah. Stand back. Yeah. Where do you need to go here? And yeah. I I feel like I've had such a shift in what the future holds for me because I was holding on to this rigid belief of what I could and co couldn't do. And, and, you know, I was attaching that to my work. I was attaching that to my relationship. Um, and none of that exists anymore. And all of a sudden yeah. I'm sat here going, 
oh, I'm actually really excited for the future. Wonderful. Beautiful, right? And so when we can apply that intelligence, we realize that everything that happened for us in the past had to happen moment by moment and couldn't have happened any other way. Why? Because it didn't. And if you can make friends and get closure with that alone, the amount of freedom that people who are listening to this right now will feel will be unprecedented because so many of us look at our past and wish that that hadn't happened or that shouldn't have happened or that could have happened if only. Yet that's completely futile because what happened had to happen and it couldn't have happened any other way because it didn't. And that's reality, and that's what's developing an intimate relationship with reality, which is meaning you're divorcing the stories in your head and you're marrying the truth of what is and not what could have been. And that puts us in a massively powerful position to start to taking control of our life and realizing that the only time we get to create and give meaning to our life is in this particular moment, the present moment, which is the only time frame that has, can, or will exist. And if you want to extrapolate that on that and for me to explain further, I can, Natasha, but I, but I know that you get that. Yeah, I, I absolutely get that. And I think just opening people's minds to what you're saying now is it, it's enough right now. Like the things that I've learned from you and the vision it's creating for me and moving forward in my life, it's just mega. I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. And I, again, this is why I do what I do. We, we all have these gifts that we've been either blessed with or we've developed. And it's been a blessing for me to be able to make sense of, of the human journey and the emotions that we, that we have and how we created them and then what to do about that which doesn't serve. And for me to share that, with an external world is a real blessing. And so every person I get to work with and every life I get to touch, it reminds me of why I do this thing. And that is a, that is, that's a real blessing. And I'm very, very grateful for that. And that's not to say that I don't fall in the blender, that I've got it all, fi- I've got it all figured out, because that in itself, Natasha, is a dangerous narrative that self-help gurus, coaches, new age guides, NLP experts, therapists, who, in my opinion, are selling a despairing narrative to a public, and it's just not true. Because here's the thing, to be human is to always be a work in progress, as you well know. This classic duality, if you like, of good and not so good, of positive and negative, fear and bravery, happiness and discontent, feeling trapped and then feeling free. And it's here where those that claim that you can be forever blissful are doing a huge disservice to the human family. Would you agree? Absolutely. It's just unrealistic and it's going to lead you to a downfall. Like you, you can't, you can't just be striving for like this perfection all the time because like everything changes constantly. Totally. Absolutely. And our point of reference for happiness is derived from overcoming the discomforts of life and finding solutions to our perceived problems. And I use the word perceived very, very 
intently because I don't see problems in life, Natasha. I see situations that we need to solve. Yeah. Which is why when I start with a client, I tell them, I'm not going to solve any problems that you have because you haven't got any. I will dissolve or help you dissolve the idea that you have them in the first place, which is a very different state of being. Well, that's one thing I've learned during um, my work with Prove It. It's like, it's not a problem. It's a challenge. Yeah. You can overcome your challenges. You can work through them. You can figure them out. Yeah. Um, you know, a problem is something that you get stuck with. Yeah, that's right. So if you change the word problem for result, you get a far better outcome. So what we are faced with are favorable results or unfavorable results. And if it's unfavorable, we get to iterate, look at our choices and make better consequences, which lead to better choices. That's the equation of life. And we are always, always going to be having to solve the adversity that life throws at us, because that's the whole purpose of coming here as a human being. We agreed to come here to this school which never closes, where the teachers never go home, and we never get a day off, ever, because I think that's part of the whole agreement to come here in the first place. That's a little esoteric and philosophical, but I truly believe that. But here's the thing, back to the pragmatic of being human. If we're avoiding problems or we feel like we don't have any problems or perception of them, we are going to make ourselves miserable. Likewise, if you feel like you have problems that you can't solve, you're going to make yourself miserable. So the secret source to human happiness is the solving of the issues being presented and not having the issues in the first place, because that opposes the very fabric of the human journey. Going back to what we were talking to a bit earlier... When did you, on your, like in your journey in life, when did you start to realize or when did your mindset change from life happening to you to life happening for you? And is that when you made your shift into the work that you're doing now? Yeah. So what happened for me uh, 14 years ago, which was, the, which was the instrumental event, which pretty much changed my life, was, was that... I met a woman who was already married and I chose to enter into an affair with her. And the result of that affair was a child that was born, a daughter that was born. And the cross I've had to carry ever since is that my daughter, who's now 14, has never met her father because she doesn't know who I am as her father. And she believes that her father is the man still married to the woman I had an affair with. And yeah, and that little girl was taken away from my life at two and a half. And I've never had any input into her life ever since other than observing from afar how she's growing on Instagram and on Facebook and the occasional email from the mother. Other than that, it's been very much, I can only observe and bear this trial, if you like, that life has presented to me based on my choices and the consequences that arose from them. And this is this is not to be in any shape wow, or form is- a victim because I don't feel myself in any way like that. I do see I do see it as the instrumental event which allowed me to think deeper about my choices 
what those choices create and the pain and suffering that came from losing that part of my life at a particular time led me to a life of discovery and a path of greater awareness. You know, it took me all over the world and you know, it culminated in the Amazon, living with the shamans, drinking ayahuasca five times and really getting to the, to the roots of, of, of what this thing was, the pain and the suffering and the meaning behind it. And so that was the event which really set me on my way. And so therefore I can be thankful for that because had I not experienced something so traumatic, who knows where I'd be. I may be still living the life of a playboy and contributing nothing to life. And so I'm really, I really am actually very grateful, which is quite a paradox and quite difficult to get your head around. But that pain made me a better person. And that's, I think, I mean, thank you for sharing that, Darren. I mean, that is like, a lot of people wouldn't be able to move on from being trapped in that trauma. And that's anyone's trauma. Like we all go through trauma. Yeah. And not everyone gets to move on from it and learn the lessons and grow and actually come to peace with the trauma. Absolutely. That's what sets people apart, right? Because the finger pointers, the victims who believe life is happening to them, they create this narrative, this story around their history, his story or her story, and they hold on to that and maintain it, which becomes their reality. And if they do it for, you know, you've only got to do anything for 60 to 90 days, you created a new habit. And that habit may or may not serve you. Yet, if you feel that that's who you are, because that's what you do, you'll never question why you think the way you do, which is why this, this book is all about as you are finding out for yourself, it's based on our behavior and why we do the things we do and what to, to do to change that which doesn't serve us, most of which was created, you know, by the time we were seven, year, seven years old and imprinted upon us by the two-parent model that did their best with the tools available, yet they imprinted our beliefs and we've taken them into the world and we've applied them into our adult understanding and we still don't realize it's the child in us that's being triggered every time we respond or react to an event, which I find incredibly fascinating, which is why I had to write this book to bring to into the awareness of people the behavioral patterns that are habitual based on our belief system and the meaning we gave that belief system when we were growing up from zero to seven. I know. It's in, it is incredible. And... <laughs> For me, as a parent, teaching my children the things that I was taught as a child, that obviously my parents were taught as a child. And, you know, it's only taken me to get where I am now in my life. And I'll go to say something and I'll be like, why are you even saying that? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. Ridiculous. Like, my dad was so protective of me and my sister. And I think that comes from a place because he lost his father when he was seven years old. Yeah. So he, you know, he he didn't have the father figure there. So when me and my sister, and this goes for my mum as well, because my mum lost her father when she was seven. Um, so wow. we were like almost wrapped, you know, we were really wrapped up like, and like my dad's way of keeping us safe was instilling the fear of God into us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> you know, so yeah. like the things he'd say to us, like to stop us doing stuff. Sometimes I'd be a bit like, "Oh," and then I'll, I've, I know I've said that to my younger kids. You know, certain things, and I've gone, "Oh, it's a bit harsh." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you kind of catch yourself in the mirror, or you say something, you go, "Oh, I sound like my mum there," and you just—it's yeah. like you just got this autoplay, and you repeat exactly what you learnt. Totally, absolutely, and there's no finger. There's no fingers of blame being pointed at, at, at parents or a witch hunt for our primary oh, care. No because because they did their very best that they could do with the emotional toolkit they had available to them at any given time, which means that their their behaviour was appropriate based on their level of awareness in that moment. Mm-hmm. And if we could get our head around that, that everybody's behaviour is appropriate to their level of emotional intelligence, as difficult that is that is to get your head around, then what we're left with is an acceptance of what is and not what should be or what should or could be. And this, this, this whole idea of acceptance and accepting something that's beyond our control is fundamental, Natasha, to human happiness and human contentment and freedom because it's the lack of acceptance and the kicking and screaming against that which you can't control which is creating most of the misery on the planet today. Yeah. And I'm just going to – I just feel like I want to just shout out my mum and dad because they're freaking yeah. awesome and I love yeah. them really. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. Me, yeah, absolutely. My, mine too. You know, mine too. They, they're amazing. They're amazing and they, did, they always did their best. And I thank every parent out there because it's the most difficult job in the world to be a skillful parent trying to administer unconditional love and security to your offspring when the tools that you have available to yourself don't allow you to do that so it becomes conditional but they do their best and i i believe that we again this is this is gets where it gets esoteric again natasha and you can cut this out if you want i believe that we choose our parents that we come into this level of consciousness so we can learn the lessons necessary for us to transcend where we're still trapped emotionally and the parents represent the perfect platform of awareness for us to start our education again so making sense absolutely yeah and that's deep oh, right? i love this and that's another thing because as a parent, sometimes it'll come into my head and I'll be like, mm, didn't really, like when I was a younger mum and, you know, I was stressed and I was in bad relationships and postnatal depression and stuff, you know, sometimes your brain can go there and you want to berate yourself for maybe not making the best choices or saying the best things to your children or behaving in the best way around them. But what's the point in that? <laughs> no, no, absolutely. And here's the thing. How can you be accountable for that which you're oblivious to yeah right so if we can't be accountable because we know no better ignorance is no form of defense i get it but can we be accountable for that which we're oblivious to if our intentions are always coming from a place of love and positivity i get it there are parents out there there are people out there that resonate in violence and manipulation and narcissism and aggression. I get it. 
And again, one could argue that they are the product of their own upbringing and their own experiences. But ultimately, if we can get our head around that everybody is doing their best from their own level of awareness, all of a sudden we are able to sort of speak to that level of acceptance. And when we can do that, the whole idea of resentment or revenge or anger or rage, which are there are they are normal human emotions, yet they are emotions that we can choose not to engage with when we actually turn on our higher intelligence and realize, for example, that resentment is a poison that does far more damage to the container which holds it than over anything to which it's poured. Wow, that's heavy. Yeah, very. So imagine that. Imagine you resent, for instance, a partner that sadly leaves you or cheats on you, and you are so resentful of that person that you wish them you wish them ill, you want them, you want revenge. And resentment is like drinking a glass of poison and then waiting for the object of your resentment to suffer. Hmm. Because what you're doing is poisoning your own biology by holding on to the bitterness and rage that you have to somebody else. Yet the only person that you're harming is yourself and this biological home that we call the human body, which is the only one we have. Yet we are exposing it to these cascade of stress hormones, which if you keep doing it over an extended period of time, will break down because the lack of ease or the absence of ease soon becomes a dis-ease as a physical manifestation when you keep bombarding the system or the vehicle with stress hormones. You cannot do that to a biological entity and expect nothing to happen. That's not pseudoscience. That's just fucking physics. Excuse my French, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Just pick that up. Just say it's just physics. (laughs) I don't think we might be able to put the F-bomb on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, but you see how you see how passionate I am about that, right? Because right, people people hold on to this poison and this resentment for the for the external world, and then they wonder why their body begins to break down, why they start to have autoimmune diseases and migraines and digestive problems. Because this this is basic science. When you turn on the survival mechanism, you turn off your digestion your immune system, and your intelligence, meaning you cannot access the resources needed to find the solutions to the problems that you are looking at. Oh, oh my God. It's Honestly, what you're saying to me now is taking me back to a time when a certain person didn't treat me very well. Yep. And I hated them. Yep. Like, I know what... I'd kind of forgotten about it until you've just started talking now. And I'm like, oh my God, like I hated that person to a point where I wish them, like I didn't wish them well. I used to have the darkest thoughts about bad things happening to them because they'd hurt me that bad. Yeah. And the correlation to that was I was always sick. I was mega, mega brutally depressed. Yeah. I was literally... It was like I had blinkers on. I couldn't see anything 
other than the pain, the hurt, the sadness. Like it it was such a, it it was so toxic. Yeah. Yeah. So toxic. And I remember like I would, I would cry to my mom and I'd be like, I am so angry. Like I could hurt someone. Mm. And it used to frighten me because I was literally just crippled with this anger and this hatred. And it's like, how can you ever function in a healthy, positive, like you can't move forward in your life when you're stuck and holding on to such negative thoughts, feelings, and resentment. Like you just can't. No, it's, it's impossible. And life and in its infinite wisdom and however you language the intelligence of the universe or nature or God or whatever it means to you, it appears that there's an intelligence, Natasha, which is be, which uses events, circumstances, and people to reveal to you where you're still not free. Mm. And those lessons effectively are the perfect circumstances for you to attain your own liberation. And this, by the way, is being presented to 8 billion people on the planet every day. The exact circumstances for you that's listening out there to attain your liberation is being presented to you in the form of of an adverse situation that you need to figure out, that you need to understand what is the lesson here? What is the message that I'm failing to understand? And remember, if everything's happening for us, we are attracting the very people into our lives that treat us in a way which will force us to look at that which needs transcending. So true. <laughs> I've got a few repetitive patterns. Yeah, we, all, we all have because it's, that's, that's the human journey because you're, we're trying to take apart familiar patterns which yeah. – the human reptilian brain or the reptilian part of the brain thrives on because it thrives on familiarity and the predictability of understanding what life is presenting to us on a daily basis. So familiarity is the driver. And as I said to you before, look at the root of the word familiarity. What comes up for you? Family. Family. And so your family experience And all that entailed is the driver of your familiarity today. And here's another massive paradox. If what was familiar to you growing up was considered to an intelligent person painful, let's say, somebody who was emotionally grounded, let's say that the experiences you had as a child, let's say observing your father being not emotionally available to to, to, to to your mother, and he was the alpha, she was passive, she enabled him, she let him shout and scream and smash things up in the house when things went wrong. As an example, if that was your point of reference for normality, that sits in the familiar column of your unconscious programming, which sits in the pleasurable column of your of your unconscious programming, meaning As you get older and you don't question those beliefs and that programming, you will attract to you the very archetype that your father represented or your mother represented because you are going to attract to you the familiarity which you experienced as a child and then wonder why 
you keep getting hurt and keep having the same, effectively, the same person with a different head showing up in your life. And it's because, Natasha, that we don't learn our lesson. We don't understand that these people are presenting to us the very situations that we need to transform and transcend these limiting beliefs that we've held on to ever since we were kids. And to go a little step further, which is a real mind, a mind, I can't say the F bomb, can I? A mind F, if you like, (laughs) is, uh, is imagine wanting a guy or a girl that represents unconditional love. Somebody that appreciates you, listens to you, shares your world, understands you, talks to you in a way which is unconditional. If you have no point of reference for that unconditional love in your childhood or in your adolescence, you will sabotage that pretty soon because you will not be able to, f- to predict the behavior and therefore it's unfamiliar. The and uncomfortable. And uncomfortable. The unconscious brain will say, I don't <laughs> recognize what's going on here. Please take back the asshole who treated me fucking awfully. To be fair, I've been there when okay. someone's been really nice and I'm like, well, it's a, this is what women do. We go, oh, it's too nice. <laughs> there you go. There, there you go. That's exactly what you're doing. But now you know why you're doing it is because the childhood familiarity has gone missing and you want to bring that back into your life so you can predict what's going, what's going to go on and behave accordingly. So, so can you get, so we've talked a lot about trying to rewire ourselves. Like, yeah. have you got like three top tips that you can give people right now that if they feel like what we've been talking about is familiar to them and they're struggling to break out of that cycle, what can they do? Okay. Well, there's, there are there are programs or there are simple there are simple programs which we can apply, but we've got to understand why it works and how it works. Because if we don't understand, we won't apply the, the procedure and it will it will fail miserably. So for me to sort of introduce the audience to a very simple program, a very powerful one, they now understand that. of what they do all day long is habit, right? Mm -hmm. And your habits control everything that you do autonomously. And that those habits sit in the R complex part of the brain. Okay. Consciously, which is about 5% of, of, of our creative ability, that's all prefrontal cortex. And that's how we make choices in the particular moment, the words we use, how we feel. Yeah, it's the R-complex brain that's always making the decisions based on feeling and habit. Now, why should you care? Because everything you have in life, Natasha, is a habit. Meaning everything you've achieved is because of your habits. Everything that you don't have is a habit. So it's vital that you master your habit management. Will you agree? Absolutely. Okay. And we've also got to know this. We forget 90% of what we learned within 30 days if we don't reinforce what we learned daily for two months. Yeah, I've heard that before. Okay. So 
consistency in discipline and repetition are the mother of all skills. And then unless you're prepared to put the discipline in, you're going to find yourself drifting back to familiarity because the brain will say, hey, I'm not feeling this new behavior. Go back and do what you always do because I've modified my receptors for you over time and I need that biological input. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. And so if 95% of our day is on autopilot, unless we pay very strict attention to what we do, nothing is ever going to change, right? Yeah. Nothing changes if nothing changes. So remember, we get more of what we focus on, including what we don't want. So wherever we are focused on, we're going to get more of, including what we don't want. That's, that's it. That's, that's how the brain works. Yet, when we then don't get what we think that we want, we blame ourselves or the world or our upbringing or whoever. And we try to rationalize our behavior to justify the stories we have running in our software. And we must do that, by the way, because that sustains our fragile self-image, the ego, which is essential to feel safe and certain in the paradoxical, uncertain world. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Habit battles are seldom won at the conscious level. All or nothing thinking rarely works, which means willpower versus the massive unconscious mind is a fight you will not win. Okay? Yeah. Using willpower keeps your attention on the very habit you're trying to stop. Think about that. I'll give you an example. Don't think of a pink elephant. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Don't think of a pink elephant with a green monkey on its back. (laughs) So what's going on there? Your unconscious has to first picture and then think of a pink elephant for you then not to think about it, which just strengthens the association that you don't want to focus on. (laughs) Yeah. Wow, it's so true. Exactly. So using willpower, if you're going to use willpower, where will your attention be? On the negative and on on the subject that you're trying to break away from. Boom, exactly. On the very thing you want to avoid. That could be biscuits, that could be coffee, that could be alcohol, drugs, sex, shopping, chocolate, fill in the blank. When you focus on that with willpower, you are strengthening the very process by trying not to engage. Right? Yeah. So we must learn to understand how the brain works and how to have a dialogue with the respective part of the brain which is driving this behavior. And this is where we're going to get to now. So we, we must first disturb the pattern. And once we recognize the timescales in which we usually engage with our habit, we can then become more aware of the trigger because this is very important. All habits have three components, a trigger, an action, and a reward. So knowing what the reward is and what triggers that need to do it is fundamental into understanding how to change something because 
The body and mind, as I've alluded to through the whole podcast, are incredibly attuned to pattern behavior, right? It actually triggers us to engage with the very habit we're trying to break. You're, so we're clear there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, okay. this is like, this is, you, ha- you have to go in deep and work on yourself. <laughs> like, yeah. very, this is very, very much. And, and if you can't, if you don't get it, if you don't understand it at this level, then this is what professionals are there for, to be able to walk you through this process where you're sat comfortable in a chair and you just follow directives while eyes closed and do the work necessary, which is why I don't understand why there's a stigma attached to to therapy or coaching. If you get a good coach or a therapist, it's going to take decades of trial and error out of your journey. Absolutely. I... I am a massive advocate for counselling, therapy, and saying that coming from, you know, a working class background in Liverpool, like that was something that was never spoken about. It was, you know, there was a stigma attached to therapy that was like for the poshies or whatever you wanted to say. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I... I ended up in Atomic Kitten living in London and you know it was all about the therapist and I I sat in my first therapist chair and I was like no no I ain't telling you nothing yeah 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 it's just you know and it just it was too clinical it was Harley Street it was like really posh and it was like this is not the world I'm used to yeah and I found a therapist whose living room I sat in in an armchair who lived in a normal house who made me feel comfortable that's when for me everything just like those walls broke down the barriers and from that uh, that session when I was what maybe 21 I realized the power of help from other people yeah no doubt no doubt like 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 I say to my clients if I take a 50 pound note out of my pocket and I stick it on the end of your nose what do you see other than a blur of red if you're lucky yeah if I bring that away and hold it 18 inches from your face, you see all the detail of that particular product. And so a good therapist or a coach can objectively hold away so you can see and reflect back to you that which you may have been blinded to because you're too close to your own action. Mm. Right? And so getting back to this, how we break habits if we're using the willpower, the reptilian part of the brain will always try to convince you it's okay to have one more of whatever it is you're trying to give up or to engage in the, in the behavior you're trying to give up. And when we do fold, which we will do, if we don't know how to break the state, we then start sabotaging ourselves with that critical inner voice, you know, that demon that sits inside us that says, I'm not good enough. I can't break this. I knew I would fail. I'm I'm not capable of doing this. And this just massively enhances the pattern that you are not strong enough, which then upholds the whole illusion in the first place, right? Yeah. So here's the power. When we can learn to dialogue with the habit voice in the reptilian brain, we have a powerful tool in our hands for potential transformation. Because would you agree, Natasha, that your habit is not who you are? I would agree, yeah. Okay. A habit is a program that you created 
for a particular effect. It was a, it was a behavioral adaptation, right? Yeah. Okay, so if you're, if you're not your habit, it's not personal. Mm. Okay, just try that on. Just breathe into that. If it's not your habit, it's not about you per se. Your program, which you created, means that you can create a new one. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And so your habit is not who you are. It's not personal. It's just a habit, but it's not you. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. But when we associate that habit with us, that we think that's a fundamental part of who we are, we then begin to think that we are weak, we're not capable, and again, we self-sabotage. So if you can understand that you're not your habits, that that was created to feel safe when certainty went missing in your childhood, it means that you are capable of creating anything you want with discipline from this moment forward. So let's split from that belief and dialogue. And this is where it starts. It's a five-stage process. And if you do it with conviction, you're going to be surprised how quickly people can change their compulsive habits. So when the compulsion arises, whether it's a habit or an emotion, but let's use a habit for, for just for the, 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 this particular process. When the compulsion arises, say to yourself, this is just a habit. It's not me. That's, the, that's, that's stage one. I acknowledge the habit, yet this is just a habit. It's not me. It's not who I am. Number two, you then say, the urge will go away when I dismiss it. Not ignore it, when I dismiss it. Number three, it's just my habit voice. It's not me or who I am. The habit voice is not who I am. I now choose to dismiss this urge and my habit voice now. This is not ignoring. Dismissing is a very different animal. And this is where, the, this is where it gets interesting. I now move my attention to something which serves me because we are where we lay our attention. And the more we attend to something, the stronger we want it. And you cannot want something unless you are focusing on it. Would you agree? I agree. So when we understand that the human being can only truly focus on one thing at a time, you may think that this habit is all-powerful. It only remains so because you haven't had the dialogue with the R-complex saying, I am not my habit. This is not who I am. I will. This urge will go away when I dismiss it. It's just my habit voice. It's not me or who I am at my core. I choose to dismiss this urge and my habit voice now and I move my attention to whatever it is that you need to focus on, which is enhancing or empowering. And that's where you, that is where you lay your attention, right? Something which is more empowering, more enhancing. That's where the discipline comes in, for you to have something to go to when the habit behavior gets triggered. 
Now, why does this work, Natasha? Why is this so powerful? And why does this habit leave quite quickly when you keep applying this process? Well, every time the reptilian brain gives you a cue to engage and you choose to state these five steps, that part of the brain takes notice and begins to remind you not to engage any longer in the destructive habit because you're no longer responding in the way that you have previously. And so the R complex learns quickly once the dialogue you have with it is clear and precise, and it stops reminding you to engage with the old habit as the unconscious updates and reevaluates itself. You with me? Yeah. Okay. And so if you could be privy to a conversation between the prefrontal cortex and the R complex, you would hear the old part of the brain, the habit part of the brain say, hmm, that's interesting. I am no longer going to remind Natasha of this old fear because she keeps pulling herself out of it. Hmm. And the more you do it, the more flimsy the program becomes as you train your brain not to enter that fearful zone of familiarity if it doesn't serve you. So can you imagine how quick you can do that? As long as you can shift attention and remain focused on that which serves you and you have that conversation, the R complex will take note and say, I am not going to pitch Natasha back into that program and because she keeps getting herself out of it. And so why would I waste my time? Because this new directive is aligning with her true wants and desires again. Incredible. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It is absolutely incredible. And Everything you've spoken about today, the incredible advice and tips and knowledge that you've shared with us today, Darren, yeah. can all be found in your book. Like I, I've just started reading your book and sometimes I can be a bit of a skimmer. This book yeah. is not a book you need to be skimming. It is, I've oh. never had underlined so many lines, um, got so many little mark like pages turned over like every single page i'm like wow 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 and the book is the yeah. journey back to yeah. self a roadmap of discovery yeah. and you can get it on amazon and guys this is it's not just a book it is a life tool this will serve you so well moving forward in your life and i can't recommend it enough like i can't wait to finish it but I don't want to finish it because I'm really enjoying it. And I've recommended it to so many people already. Yeah, um, thank you. Like, it is incredible. Your work is, like, just just thank you. Thank you so much for coming on today, for showing people that <laughs> you can move forward things can get better you don't have to be stuck in your past you don't have to be stuck in your head thinking i'm never going to change things are never going to change and yeah yeah we you know we've gone in deep today but I, like i just highly recommend the book take it slowly listen to this podcast again and again and again and give yourself the new brain that you truly deserve
Yeah, totally. Yes. Well, beautifully said. And yeah, and thank you for the the shout out. And uh, I appreciate that. And not because it earns many great money because the publisher gets all the money. Yeah, I do find it incredibly empowering that people are using the journey back to self as a reference for transforming their lives. And when I use the word transform, I'm very specific because most people say they want change, Natasha. But for me, Change is temporary. If I fold a napkin three or four times, the nature of that napkin hasn't changed. I've just, I've just, I've just changed its appearance. If I unfold it, it remains the same. Transformation is a different animal. It literally is the caterpillar to the butterfly where nothing of the old remains, a blossoming has occurred. And I'm all about transformation, not change. Thanks for listening to this episode of Live Better with Natasha. If you have enjoyed the show, please give it a five-star review on whichever platform you get your podcasts. It helps us more than you can imagine to reach more people and share important lessons and conversations about mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. You can also connect with Natasha and become part of the Live Better movement right now by clicking the link in the show notes. If you're serious about scaling your personal or business brand, then you need to be producing audio. Yes, you need a podcast. Podcasting is exploding right now and means that you can reach a global audience, be seen as the expert in your marketplace, collaborate with world-renowned influencers, turn followers, fans, and listeners into paying clients, and open up a world of opportunities. So when you're ready to add the power of podcasting for your brand and business, check out the Ultimate Podcast Group, the team that make this this very podcast, Ultimate Podcast Group, your one-stop full-service agency for all your production needs. For more information, click the link in the show notes now.